grace and peace to you i'm so happy that you are here so excited to be back with you guys for another episode of unfailing love the podcast i'm your host lamara Denae, and i'm just so grateful i'm grateful that you guys are sharing that you guys are engaging that you guys are reaching out um, letting me know how um, the episodes are blessing you so just thank you so much for all the feedback i genuinely appreciate it in this episode, I will actually be sharing my testimony. I really feel led to let you guys into just a little bit more of my story um, of God's unfailing love in my life and what that has looked like. Um, so this conversation might be a little heavy, not because, you know, I'm still bound in any way, but because when I think about the unfailing love of God in my life, it is overwhelming. Because I have really gone through a lot and I have seen the faithfulness of God. I have seen just his consistency in every season of my life, no matter if I'm talking about childhood to teenage years to now just being in my late 20s. Like I just genuinely have always seen the faithfulness of God in all of my circumstances and all of my experiences. And so I'm really blessed to be able to even be here to share my testimony with you all. So let's get started. So I grew up in McKeesport, Pennsylvania, um, that's where I'm originally from. At one point, it was literally like the most dangerous place in the United States um, to live at, but that is where I grew up. I was raised by my mom. When my mom was pregnant with me, my father was actually murdered by his current wife's, at the time, ex-boyfriend. And so I am the product of, I wouldn't call it an affair, but I am the product of two people having a child and not being married. My father was actually married to someone else at the time. And as a result, there were a lot of different things that I'm still unsure about all of those different details, but um, that led to my father actually being murdered. Um, and so growing up, I grew up with just my mom and my brother. It was just us three growing up. I always felt like really illegitimate. Um, and at the time I didn't recognize that that was because of the circumstances surrounding, you know, my, my mom's pregnancy with me and giving birth to me and different things like that. But I always felt just this level of illegitimacy growing up. I felt just super unworthy. I always felt just this deep um, deep pain, just a deep, deep wound since I was a little girl. And I never really understood what that was. Um, we didn't really talk about my dad too much growing up. And so I had a lot of questions. I'm sure you can understand. I had a lot of questions surrounding, you know, why I didn't have a dad and where my dad was and different things like that. And I remember growing up one day, I said that I really miss my father. And because of my mom and her grief and everything that she was going through, she said to me, like, you can't miss something that you never had. So for a long time, I never even grieved the loss of my father. That was not something that I dealt with because I thought that I didn't really have a right to grieve the loss of my father because I had never met him. Um, So that was something that I developed, like a perspective and a mindset that I developed at a very young age, um, which led to me just kind of keeping things bottled up inside emotionally 
overall, um, I kind of felt invalidated in that moment as it related to my emotions. And so I think that that was the, the first time that I, I made a conscious decision after that to, to be more mindful in what it is that I shared as it related to my emotions. I always questioned if what I was feeling is really what I was feeling because that just kind of put this narrative into my head, like my feelings were wrong. Um, and so I did, I grew up um, just really feeling illegitimate um, when I was a kid, my mom worked a lot, and so I really spent a lot of time by myself or at daycare or with sitters or different things like that um, because my mom worked a lot. So I just felt oftentimes alone. Like, I remember just this constant feeling of just heaviness and the feeling of being alone um, and just always being scared, to be honest, just never really feeling protected or covered. Um, when I was a little girl at the age of five, I experienced sexual assault from the age of five until the age of seven. Um, I was raped. And so I had dealt with that even at a young age, which completely distorted just my view of myself, my view of my body, my worth, my identity. Um, I didn't really know that I had a right to say no as it related to my body, because from a young age, I felt like I was kind of forced to do things that I didn't necessarily want to do, because, but because it was somebody that that I looked up to somebody that um, was in a position of authority over me and things like that. And so I didn't really feel like at a young age, I had a right to say no when it came to my body. Um, growing up, I was in a gifted program. I always loved education. I always loved to learn. I remember being in my room as a little girl and you know how you would have like the books with the, um, and you would have like your teddy bears laid out <laughs> playing school. That was me. So I remember just, I always loved to read. I always loved education. I started reading at a very young age and, and school I was actually in the gifted program um because I like you know I love learning and things like that so I would actually get a bus from one school to another school to have to learn um because of the fact that I was in a gifted program and they didn't have things at the regular school that would be able to kind of teach me and challenge me to continue growing in my education so I was fortunate enough to be able to be in the gifted program where I was able to travel to other schools to learn and things like that um and so that was just an amazing experience but I was severely bullied I felt like I didn't really have any friends the friends that I did have were not friends looking back at it um I remember um, when I was a little girl, not a little girl, but when I was a little younger, I had a group of friends and they came to my house and they asked my mom if I could come outside and like play with them. And I remember going outside and when I got around the corner, they actually jumped me to this day. I don't know why they jumped me, but I was severely bullied um, when I was in school. I mean, like people pushing my head against the window, pushing my head against um, the walls at school, pulling chunks of my hair out, like constantly talking about me, me not feeling protected by the teachers, like it, all, of, all of that. And so how I was able to express what was happening to me, whether it was what was happening at home or what it, what was happening at school, it came out in anger. And so I became the, the kid in school that was always getting in trouble because of my mouth, because now I don't respect anybody in leadership or anybody in authority. Um, I remember just always having a problem with my teachers like they would love me and I would have a good relationship with them but if I felt triggered in any way if I felt like I wasn't heard or if I felt like somebody was trying to hurt me I would respond in a way of anger so that would come out in my in my words that I would speak 
to my teachers. I would scream at them and just like be extremely defiant um, because I felt like I had no outlet, whether at home or at school. And oftentimes when people go to school, that's their outlet. That's where, you know what I mean? That's the place of safety for that child, like to escape from whatever it is that's happening at home. But that wasn't the case for me. Um, I felt like I had no safe place, whether I was at home or whether I was at school. And even if we bring church into this, I remember being in church and like being a part of this youth group. And I had this girl that I considered to be like a sister of mine. And one day we were at um, our youth group and after youth group, she literally beat me up in the church. So as you can, if you can imagine, that was just, I literally felt like I had no, nobody anywhere. And so my escape was to go in my room. So I would spend literally all day from the time that I would come home to the time that it would be time for sleep. I would literally spend all of my time in my room, that would be my safety place. That would be my place of escape um, because I always was getting in trouble for the things that I was doing in school. So I was always on punishment. <laughs> and um, it got to the point where one day I didn't even have a doorknob on my door. And so I would just be locked in my room. Um, and so that just kind of developed just this unhealthy escape for me. I felt extremely neglected. I felt extremely rejected by everybody and everything. And it was really hard for me as a kid. And my mom did her best. She had us in different like programs and things like that where we would go and like there would be like different counselors or different other kids that might have been going through similar things. But because I just so desperately wanted to feel safe, me going to somebody else instead of, you know, be being able to be with my mom, it really did the opposite than what I believe that my mom was desiring to do. So I felt like she was trying to, you know, get rid of me or that I was too much for her um, because she would find outlets in other spaces. But she was only doing that because she didn't know what it is that not only I needed, but what it is that my brother needed. Um, and I'm not going to share too much of anybody else's story besides my own. I feel like if I gave more information relative to my brother or my mom, like it would make a lot more sense. But for this, for the sake of protecting other people's testimonies, I'm only going to share my story and what was the, like how I was affected by my story. So I'm not going to share too much about anybody else's story. So fast forward to about the ages of like, between 10 and 12. Now, some of the ages is blurred because I have gone through a lot. And so I'm not too sure about some of the ages, um, but I believe that, you know, God will restore back my memory as it relates to some things. But if you are familiar with psychology and trauma and how it works, oftentimes our brain will keep us from remembering certain things as a means of protection. Um, and so I have been praying for the last couple of years that God will restore back a lot of my memories because there are some things that I genuinely just don't remember. Um, but between the ages of 10 and 12, that's when I started to run away. I felt like nobody wanted me. I felt like I wasn't welcomed at my house. I felt like, you know, I didn't have a good relationship with my mom. I felt like she never really wanted me and that I was a burden to her. So I started to run away and I started to get into these really unhealthy relationships with people that were much older than me because I just wanted attention. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel wanted. And obviously I was so young, so there wasn't that much that I could do on my own. So I needed to have partners and people that were much older than me because they had a car or whatever the case may be. And so I started to run away. And it was during those times that I ran away that I experienced some of my most traumatic experiences. I remember the one day I stayed 
the night at um this guy's house that I was talking to and he wasn't allowed to have me stay at his house so he dropped me off at one of his cousin's houses and when he dropped me off at one of his cousin's houses in order for me to be able to stay the night at their house they said that I had to sleep with them and it was multiple people and because that was not something that I was willing to do they actually poured a bucket of hot water on me so I remember running from that house in the middle of the night in a really dangerous neighborhood being super young um, not really knowing where I was going and I was able to find somebody's phone and call the guy that dropped me off at the house he picked me up and took me to somebody else's house um, and when I went to this other house, it was even more of an unsettling experience than when I was at the house prior. Um, and I stayed there for a few days. And because I was a runaway, I was in need of money. And there was a drug dealer that actually came to the house and he had a whole bunch of money. And I remember him walking to the back and I thought because he had so much money that he went, wouldn't even notice if I took some. So I took some of his money um, and he he did notice and he actually assaulted me he beat me up my eyes were swollen shut so I left the house and I'm running because he literally had got a knife like he was going to kill me so I literally ran from the house and as I'm running I just collapsed into this um alleyway and um I just so happened to have a phone on me that like it's its battery was almost dead and I just had enough juice to be able to call 911 and when I called 911 it actually was my mom's friend who worked in as the ambulance worker or the EMS worker um, and they took me to the hospital and I was able to be back reunited with my mom and all of that. But that started me being sent away to placement. Um, and so I was sent to different partial programs, different placement facilities, because it was just a lot for my mom to deal with. She had she was already dealing with the loss of my father. She had already been dealing with some things as it related to my brother. Um, and so the things that I was going through was a lot for her to have to deal with as well. And so her only outlet at that time that she knew was to send us away, send us to partial programs, send us to placement facilities. So I went to about three different placement facilities um, total. I believe it might have been three or four. Um, and as you can imagine, if I already was feeling rejected and abandoned, me being sent away just reiterated the fact that I was not wanted. It reiterated the fact that nobody loved me. It reiterated the fact to me that I was just out here alone, not having my father, not having my mother. I was just out here by myself like an orphan is kind of what I had in my mind. But going back, I grew up in church. I grew up knowing who God was. I grew up, my mom is a reverend. And so I grew up very much so at church every other day, sleeping on a pew, <laughs> like being at church on Monday, Wednesdays, you know, Bible study, choir practice, mind practice, youth group, like uh, shut-ins, prayer breakfasts, like all of those different things. Like I grew up in church, so I very much so knew who God was, but I didn't really have like an intimate relationship with him. But I remember being in placement and because God was the only thing that I had, I remember just writing out different prayers and things to God. And I remember him even speaking to me through like my journal entries when I would be in placement. And because they knew that I had a relationship with God, that would actually be the assignment that they would give me. They would assign me different things where I had to like write out prayers to God or I would have to journal to God and um, they would have to read it and sign off on it and things like that. And now that I'm looking back on it, I feel like that was just God's way of keeping that connection between us, like during that time. And right now, like I literally am about to be like in tears because for me to feel so alone, like God has never 
left me, like in all of those situations and circumstances that I'm talking about, like I can absolutely look back and see how God's hands were on me and how even during those times, like there was such a level of protection while I was a runaway, because one of the times that I was a runaway, a guy like actually picked me up from the street and took me back to his house and he made me get naked and lay next to him. And he had a gun that was next to me. Um, and I was so terrified. I remember him holding on to me um, as he slept. I remember him holding on to me and I was so terrified to even get up and leave because I did not obviously like he had a gun. So I was afraid of what he would do to me if I was to escape from his grip. Um, but by the grace of God, I was able to escape. And, you know, like there's just certain things that I look back on during my experiences of being a runaway or during my experiences of feeling like I was alone or I was just out here being promiscuous and I was just sleeping with people because I wanted to feel loved and I wanted to feel wanted. Like God really, like he really protect me and kept me in my ignorance because I really could have gotten an STD that I couldn't have gotten rid of. I could have gotten like, you know what I mean? Pregnant by somebody that you know, I I didn't need to be pregnant by because like I was a runaway and things like that. But God in his mercy and his protection and his unfailing love, he really kept me through all of those different experiences. And so fast forward, I got out of placement. I want to say maybe around the age of, I believe it was 14. Um, And I remember getting out of placement and transitioning back into school, back into regular school. And this is where we get to high school. So I went to this high school that was extremely dangerous. <laughs> it was one of the most dangerous schools in the city of Pittsburgh. Actually, it was a, a school where people from so many different communities, Crips, Bloods, like was coming together. And so there was fights day in and day out and things like that. Like, and I remember just being um, even bullied. Like when I got to that school, I felt just so ostracized, so isolated from everybody. Um, I didn't feel like anybody really wanted to be my friend. Like I just always, my whole life have felt like just so isolated, like literally, like it was nobody, like I didn't have anybody. Um, and now I can look back and I'm like, wow, like it really has been me and God throughout my whole life. So when I'm telling my testimony, I just want you to keep in mind, like, although I'm not really mentioning God's name right now. God carried me through each and every one of my experiences, all of my experiences that I've gone through. Had it not been for his unfailing love, I would not even be here living to tell the story. Um, but I got extremely suicidal. And I remember having multiple suicide attempts because of all the things that I was experiencing, whether in school or outside of school or the things that I was going through at home. Um, and so I had multiple suicide attempts. I remember going to um, a, a psychiatric hospital that we had here in Pittsburgh. And so I battled with mental health stuff. I battled with depression. I battled with anxiety. I battled with cutting. I was a cutter at one point. Um, because I just wanted to fail. I literally just got to a place where I just wanted to fail. Um, and so fast forward, I met my daughter's father and he grew up without a father, same way I grew up without a father. And so we came together and we said, let's have a baby. Let's have a baby because we wanted to be loved. We wanted somebody to, to care for us. We wanted somebody to you know, to love us and to like, we didn't want to pour our love back into anything that wasn't going to love us back. And so we planned it. We literally planned for months, like to have a baby. And my daughter was born when I was 17 years old. And I want to go back because I know I mentioned that I had been sexually assaulted and raped from the age of five to seven, but I have been sexually assaulted and touched inappropriately and molested um, by many men, even after the rape 
took place between the ages of five and seven. Like I remember um, going to one of my friend's houses and her stepfather actually molested the both of us. And he actually went to jail for it. Um, I had to go to the psychologist and I had to explain to them what the different dolls, like what happened and the things that took place. And so at this point, like at the time that I am now where I'm having this baby, I had been so numb like when it came to my view of myself, my identity, my worth, my body, um, that at this point, like I wasn't even in a place where I was even able to love my daughter because I was so broken because of all of those different experiences. And it wasn't until I had my daughter that I really recognized just how broken I was because of everything that I had gone through. Because up up until that point, I was extremely numb. Like when I say that I was numb, I mean like the decisions and things that I was making, I wasn't even consciously making them. Like I literally felt like I was in a daze for years because of all of my experiences and all of the trauma that I had um, that I had went through. So now here I am at the age of 17 and I have this baby girl that the Lord has blessed me with. I have this baby girl. Her name is Anaya. The Lord literally changed her name right before she came. And her name means God's grace. And I remember having her and feeling so inadequate when it came to loving her because of the fact that I didn't witness that type of love, like that motherly love and all of that growing up. And so here I have this baby and I have all this trauma and I'm not even able, like what it is that I desire to have her for is not even happening because of all of the different trauma that I experienced. So here I am thinking like, I'm gonna have this baby and I'm gonna be able to pour all of the love that I desire to receive from everybody else into her. But it, there was such a disconnect between me and my ability to even love her due to everything that I went through. And so unfortunately, her father and I broke up when I was pregnant with her and now it's me and it's her and I just feel so inadequate. I feel absolutely inadequate and I almost feel just extremely bad because I have this daughter that I want, that I that I absolutely love internally, but the expression of that, I wasn't able to express that outwardly because of the fact that I hadn't worked through all of the different trauma and experiences that I had. So the cycle for me continued, the cycle of, you know, multiple sex partners, the cycle of getting in and out of relationships just for the sake of feeling anything, that continued, that continued for years. And I would get in and out and in and out and in and out of relationships. Like even if it wasn't a real relationship or situationship, we can call it that. I would just get in and out and in and out of situationships, relationships, just all to be loved because I desperately wanted to be loved and it wasn't until 2015 at the end of a breakup that I literally got before God and I got on my hands my knees and I said God there has to be more to life than this I knew you since I was a kid I knew you since like as I was growing up like I've always known about you where are you at like there has to be more to life than what it is that I've gone through and what it is that I've experienced and I'll never forget that day that God met me right where I was at in my living room when I was on my hands and my knees, absolutely desperate for him to speak to me. I was so desperate to hear his voice. I was so desperate to experience him. I didn't want to live, you know, through my mother's faith anymore. I didn't want to, 
you know, live through anybody else's faith. Like I genuinely wanted to to experience the God that I grew up hearing about, the God that I grew up, you know, seeing everybody else talk about. Like I wanted to experience that for myself. And God met me exactly where I was at. And I say that in 2015, that experience and that encounter with God is what sparked my whole journey. And I call it my journey of becoming one with God. And it's so beautiful to even talk about because I spent my whole life searching and longing to be accepted searching and longing to be loved you know losing my father at an early age it impacted me so heavily and so it made it really hard for me to even connect with god because i had never even had a father like i didn't know what that meant and in that season of my life i kind of think about the story the shack or the book or the movie the shack um and how god like revealed himself as a mother and as a father like that was my experience, like everything that I needed in that season, God was, and he revealed himself to me as my father, and he revealed himself to me as my mother, and that was the first time in my life that I felt seen, that I felt heard, that I felt wanted. He started to speak to me about my purpose, he started to speak to me about my destiny and the plans that he has for me, like he started to whisper in my ear and show me that I have worth, that I have value, and that was the time and the season where my life completely changed. That was the time and the, the season where I didn't just hear about God's unfailing love, but that I experienced God's unfailing love, and there were so many days that I did not, I still to this day don't understand, like, God, why do you love me? But it was that season where God was like, I love you, and it just is what it is. Nothing that you do, nothing that you say, nothing that you've ever gone through changed my view of you. I formed you in your mother's womb. And as much as your mother and your father wanted you, I wanted you here. I needed you here because there is a purpose and a plan that I have for you. So when I think about the unfailing love of God, this is my life. This is my story. This is my continual testimony. It was after that season that I fell in love with the word like I remember <laughs> and I always laugh when I say this part of my testimony because in this season I was so desperate for God and I was so excited that he was speaking to me that I literally was like waking up at like 12 a.m 3 a.m 6 a.m 9 a.m 12 p.m like literally every three hours I was going into my prayer closet and I literally made my prayer closet like I cleared out my whole laundry room <laughs> And I made that my prayer closet. So if you walked in my laundry room, all you saw on the walls behind my, my behind and beside my washer and dryer were prayers and scriptures and the different downloads that God was revealing to me. And um, my prayer language changed. I began to speak in tongues like so freely in that season. And it was just such a beautiful experience with God. And I always share that. And I love that because one part of that story was me asking God to take me back to all of my different experiences, all of the different trauma, all of the different sexual abuse, all of the different, you know, bullying experiences that I've gone through, all of the different times that I was at home by myself for date, like for what felt like days in and days out. Um, and when I was in my room by myself, like I wanted God to reveal himself to me in those moments. And it was so beautiful because he did. He absolutely took me back and showed me in those moments that I felt like, nobody was there he showed me little nuggets and little moments of like no i was here daughter this is this was me like he would literally give me visions of like something that would happen and he would be like this was me like that was me that was my hands on you that was me um protecting you that was me sustaining you that was me keeping you 
And out of that season, I birthed out my first book entitled Becoming One with God, Journey to Wholeness and Freedom. And in that book, I talked about how God took me back to Genesis. Like when I first started this whole process with God, he took me back to Genesis. And he, he the reason why he took me back to Genesis is because there was a purpose and a plan for our lives before the fall. Before we experience all of our trauma and all of our circumstances, God had a purpose and a plan for our life. But oftentimes when we go through things, it's almost like we equate God's purpose and his plans with the trauma. And God was like, no, that was not my original script for your life. That was not my original intent for your life. And so he took me back to the book of Genesis. And when he did, he led me to Genesis, the story of um, Joseph and my life story now comes from the story of Joseph and my life scripture is Genesis fifty twenty that talks about what the enemy meant for bad God meant for good he brought me to this place to save the lives of many people so he dealt with me in regards to identity um the fact that you know I do have a father that Abraham was my father just like you know God is my father yes but you know I'm covered under the Abrahamic covenant that is the father of my faith and so I'm like wow I don't just have one father I have two fathers <laughs> um and I I have such a great promise because of my father Abraham and because of my heavenly father and so he took me through that experience and then he started to speak to me as it relates to you know forgiveness he started to speak to me about my mind and the things that I was thinking and you know how my experiences shaped my perspective um so he started to deal with my perspective and in my first book um I remember saying to one of my friends like as a, before I even wrote the book, I remember saying like, God has taken me through steps. Like in this healing process, I could literally see when God was like, okay, now let's move on to the next thing. And so each step that God took me through is, act is actually each chapter of my first book. And so the first one was, let's start over. So that just speaks to what I said about God taking me back to the very beginning. Um, the second part was about my second chapter of the book is called, what are you thinking? And that was when God started to deal with my man because the word of God said, is that um, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our man. I believe it's Romans 12 um, that talks about us being renewed by the being transformed by the renewing of our man. And so God started to show me just how my unhealthy thoughts um, were leading to some of the unhealthy decision making that I that I was experiencing. Um, and then let it go. We talked about just getting to this place of surrender with God where, you know, you just let go of the, the things that you feel like have shaped you, the things that you feel like have molded you um, for the purposes of leaning into God and finding out his truth about who we are and his truth about your purpose and your experiences and where it is that he's calling you to. And so the fourth chapter was about trust issues because because of my experiences, now I have all of these trust issues, right? I don't trust people. I don't trust men. I don't trust women because of my experiences with my mom. And so I have very unhealthy trust issues with people. And God is like, you know, yes, you know, the Bible talks about confess your sins to God so you can be cleansed. But there's another part of the Bible that talks about confess your sins one to another so that way you can be healed. So he started to speak to me about the importance of community and why community is so important. Like we get our healing through healthy community, but because I had so many trust issues, I wasn't even open to community. So God had to deal with my, my trust issues, first trusting him, right? Because when we go through things, oftentimes I feel like our relationship with God is affected by it. We, we start to not trust God because of what it is that people have done to us. And so God had to really dismantle a lot of those lies um, that I like grabbed hold of due to my experiences so that I can get to a place where I can trust him. 
And then we talked about um, in chapter five, the chapter of my book was I Surrender All. Um, and that, again, it was it's kind of similar to Let It Go. But this one is surrendering everything over to God relative to where it is that he's taken us now. So we worked through the trust issues. We worked on identity. We worked on, you know, um, speaking life over yourself because there's a chapter in my book that talks about speaking life and what it is that we are speaking out of our mouth, like our words shape our world. And so we talked about that, but then it got to the point where he's like, I need you to now surrender over to my perfect will for your life. Because when we go through trauma and we have these experiences, oftentimes we try to take control of the will. We try to take control of the will because we feel like that'll be what protects us. Like I genuinely wanted to be in control because everybody else that was in control over me from the time I was born, I felt like let me down or hurt me in some way. So now I'm like, well, shoot, I'm going to just take control myself. I don't want anybody else to be in control of me or my life because when other people are in control, that leads to me being hurt. And so it had, I got had to get to this place with God where he was like, I needed to surrender over to my perfect will. You've gotten to a place now where like you say that you trust me. So now I need you to out of that trust, surrender over to my perfect will for you, which means you won't be in control. You may not always know where I'm taking you, but I need you to trust that I have your best interest at heart. And then, like I said, we talked about, you know, speaking life and um, just the power of what it is that we say out of our mouths, especially when we're in these seasons where we um, we experience trauma. And afterwards, I feel like we sometimes just speak things from a place of pain or a place of hurt, but just being mindful of what it is that we speak out of our mouths, because like I said, our words shape our world. And so that was my experience in like 2015, 2016. Um, I remember just like getting to this place with God where I was like, wow, like there is more to life than this. Like God said that he sent his son to die so we would have life and life more abundantly. But because of all of the pain and all of the trauma, a life more abundant wasn't even something that I even considered because of the fact that I'm like, all I see is pain, all I see is hurt. And so in this season of my life, it was God really just revealing to me, like, no, I do have more in store for you. No, like, this is not the end. What you're going through right now is only, you know, a small part of such a big part of your story. Um, and I'm going to use each and everything that you go through for the purposes of advancing my kingdom. And so this is part one of my testimony. Um, it will be multiple parts because there are a lot of different parts to my story. But this is part one, just from childhood up until the part where I finally got to the place where I was like, okay, God, I knew about you. I heard about you. But what does this mean? What does it mean to be um, in your unfailing love? And so I hope that this was a blessing to you. I hope that, you know, you got something out of it. I pray that, you know, as I continue to share my story, that God would just allow you to see just even you would see his hands on my life. So that way that would just compel you to go back and want to ask God, like, show me where you were at in my life. Show me, Lord, where, you know, you were at when I went through what it is that I've gone through. And so I just want to pray. And then that will be the end of today's episode. So dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this episode. I thank you that in your word, it says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and a word of our testimony. So God, I just thank you that um, for part one of what it is that I've shared today, there's so many different things that I've gone through, but I asked you before I started this episode that you would um, get the glory and not only that you would get the glory, but that you would speak through me on whatever it is that you wanted me to share. Lord God, I know that that is what was shared today. And as we continue to dive deeper into my 
my story and into my testimony. I just pray, Lord God, that um, whatever parts of my story would edify um, the listener, Lord God, I just ask that it would do just that, that it would be edification for the person who hears it, Lord God, and that they would also see that um, if God, if you were with me and you led me to that place where I was able to have that beautiful experience with you, that you will do the same for them and that you have a great purpose and a great plan for them, regardless of what it is that they have gone through. So God, I give you glory. I give you honor and I give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening, beloved. I hope you have a good day. Take care. 